my Lanta. Oh, my Lanta. Tanner fans, this is Angela Bowen, the host of Oh My Lanta, Holy Chalupas, an unofficial Full House Fuller House podcast. Well, today I was thinking, I originally was going to save this Full House episode for when I hit a lot of the serious episodes that I want to hit, like um, DJ at the dance with Kevin and he's drinking, um, the Silence is Golden episode about child abuse. And, you know, especially this one that I'm going to cover today entitled Aftershocks. This is from Season 3. This is Episode 11. This episode aired on December 8th, 1989. And here's the description. Earthquake. A tremor shakes everyone up, especially Stephanie, who immediately becomes a clinging daddy's girl. So in this episode, what we're going to get, we're not going to get the earthquake happening. The reason it's called Aftershocks is because it's going to focus on the PTSD symptoms that Stephanie is having. You all know, you watch the show, that Pam died in a car accident. Stephanie's freaked out because she does not know her, where her father is. That day of that earthquake, everyone's probably in the basement... And Stephanie was probably forgetting, like, where's my daddy? Where's my daddy? I want my daddy here. And odds are, more than likely, Danny was most likely stuck in traffic. He probably had the same idea everyone else had, which was, of course, to take to the road. Which, and during an earthquake, I don't know if that's really the best thing. Or more than likely, he could have been stuck at work. They could have had a shelter for him to go into. But I think the fact that we don't, we all we know about Pam's death, is that she was killed by a drunk driver. That's all we know. We don't know what time it happened. We know that in the pilot it's been three years, three years, three months since Pam's death. We don't know that Pam was, like, on the way home from getting something or or any of that. And I think that also is kind of maybe factoring into what Stephanie's feeling. The idea that, you know, she lost her mother. The last thing she wants to do is lose her dad. And the fact that none of the other, Michelle's not having issues. DJ's not having issues. Cause you know, she's old. She's probably been through a couple more earthquakes than Stephanie has. But if you remember in an episode of Fuller House, DJ brings up what happened, like what happened right after Pam died. And she says, you went in your room, and DJ says to Stephanie, you went in your room and you hid. You wouldn't come out, you wouldn't talk to anybody. So this is kind of, I think, how Stephanie kind of deals with things. And I just thought with um, the other earthquakes that have hit California recently, just within the last day or two, I thought I really would like to address this. I have some family members that live in California, so of course my thoughts and prayers are with them, and of course everybody that's going through this earthquake. 
This episode has a 7.3 out of 10 rating based on 168 ratings. This episode was directed by Bill Foster, writers Jeff Franklin, the creator, and Leonard Rips, and in quotes it says, as Lenny Rips. We have some trivia here. Aired two months after the Loma Prieta, I apologize if I mispronounced that, earthquake in San Francisco, and I will read up on that in a minute. The one-minute version of the theme song is used. All right, let's get to the goofs. When Stephanie and Michelle are playing with Danny in his room, the TV in Danny's room is rotated diagonal in the first shot of the TV. Then in the rest of the shots of the TV, the TV is, is aligned straight with the stand. We have some connections. The Wizard of Oz. Joey suggests watching the film with Stephanie. We have a soundtrack here. I'm a little teapot. Sung by Michelle Tanner, or Olsen Twin. And we have some reviews here on this episode on IMDb. Let's hear what other people had to say about this episode. Alright, the first review on here is an 8 out of 10, entitled, Stephanie Just Loves Her Daddy. This review was made on May 22nd, 2018, so it was just last year. Oh my god. Okay. Here's an episode full of undying devotion to parents. Sure, it may be about Stephanie recovering from a traumatic event, but the love that she shows towards her dad is beautiful. An earthquake in San Francisco leads Danny to being three hours late getting home and damages the Gibbler house, making Kimmy stay with the Tanners for a few days. Well, she's always there all the time. Come on, it's not a big deal. The only bit is Kimmy's last night. Or the only bit shown is Kimmy's last night. Because Danny was so late getting home, Stephanie becomes overly clingy to him. Who can blame her? She thought the earthquake seriously injured him. When she prevents him from attending a dinner party for work, Jesse and Joey convince him to see a specialist. When they do, it is great. The subplot is hilarious. DJ completely overreacts over her first zit when she is supposed to play Mrs. Claus in a school play. All is good when she sees ten other girls with zits. DJ gets them all to laugh when she says, does anyone want to play Connect the Dots? It is after DJ leaves, after telling Jesse and Joey this story, that is one of my favorite moments. Jesse probably says, Joey, we did it again. Joey bursts at his bubble saying, Jess, we didn't do anything. To which Jesse responds, will you just let me have my moment? <laughs> I, I yeah, I remember that. That was funny. Joey can definitely like come in there with something that will just be a complete killjoy. Like you're happy, and he's like he hits you with the truth bomb, and you're like, oh great, I was happy a second ago. Now I'm depressed. <laughs> the subplot is perfect. The regular plot isn't perfect, but I still really liked it. All right, that was a nice review. I like that. It is currently ten eleven a.m. on a Saturday. The sun is. The sun actually woke me up. I think it started coming out around sometime after six a.m. <laughs> this one is entitled "The One with the Earthquake." I really like. Oh, this one was on June 9th, two thousand fifteen. I really like this episode. It's funny, but also heartwarming. You see Stephanie in a new light, and you really feel for her. Sorry, I had to sneeze there, so I had to pause it. Okay. It's really sad to see Stephanie this scared and worry about her day. Yeah, this is a side of Stephanie I don't think we have ever seen before. 
In this episode, an earthquake strikes San Francisco, but don't worry, everything is okay and everyone is safe. But afterwards, Stephanie suddenly becomes worried all the time and starts clinging to her dad. She doesn't want him to go anywhere without her and she doesn't want to be left alone. Overall, I give this episode an 8 out of 10, which in my ratings book is awesome. And the last review gave this a 7 out of 10 entitled Afraid of the Shakes. This review was put up on... IMDb on April 17th, 2014. Apparently an earthquake took place right before this episode started, though it isn't the main topic of this episode. It is the main topic... What? Though it isn't the main topic of... It is the main topic... Okay, I don't know what that is. Uh, Stephanie is the focus and everybody is trying to figure out why. Okay, so I get... Yeah, the earthquake isn't so much the, the main focus and Stephanie's reaction to... The results of the earthquake. Stephanie is the focus and everybody is trying to figure out why she's clinging to Danny. She finds reasons to sleep in his bed at night, begs not to go to school, and finally clings to him and pleads in tears for him not to leave her. This is a pretty heavy episode because Stephanie's problem seems pretty... Episode? Okay. I like that aspect of it, but the part that is hard to believe is how quickly it's resolved. I'm thinking several counseling sessions will have to take place before the heart of the matter may come out. But I understand that the limits of a half-hour show keeps that from being a possibility. You know what's interesting? Um, you know these girls must definitely have gotten counseling after their mother passed. I mean, that most likely would have been an option brought up to brought to Danny by even Danny. I can imagine Danny would have to go through counseling. Maybe, you know, family sessions, Jesse and his parents. Because that is a big, big deal. So, I can't see that Stephanie would be a stranger to um, talking to a professional. And I'll admit, yes, in my time, I did when I was younger. I went and saw a lot of psychiatrists to deal with the emotions of what I was feeling and thinking and regarding my mother's health, her stroke, her, her lupus, her not living with me anymore, me living with my aunt and uncle and everything and adjusting to school, having a, um, emotional impairment, um, all that stuff. And it seems like, cause I was seeing someone from the time that I was six or seven all the way up off and on through elementary school, through middle school, through high school. It just felt good to be able to talk to, to someone about my problems. Someone that wasn't in my family. Somebody that would not judge. Somebody that would be able to help me deal with what was going on. So so I did look up the 1989 Loma, L-O-M-A, Preta, P-R-I-E-T-A. Like I said, I'm sorry if I mispronounced this name. It occurred... In Northern California on October 17th at 5.04 p.m. local time. The shock was centered... This is all from Wikipedia, by the way. The shock was centered in the in the Forest of Nizine Marks State Park, approximately 10 miles northeast of Santa Cruz, on a section of the San Andreas Fault System, was named for the nearby Loma Prita Peak in the Santa Cruz Mountains. Alright, so this was a violent earthquake, as it says on Wikipedia. The shock was responsible for 63 deaths and 3,757 injuries. 
So it says the San Andreas Fault System had been relatively inactive since 1906's San Francisco earthquake. It says until two moderate force shocks occurred in June 1980 and again in August 89. Because it happened during a national live broadcast of the 1989 World Series, it is sometimes referred to as the World Series earthquake. Rush hour traffic on the Bay Area freeways was lighter than normal because the game. Because of the game. Being played at Candlestick Park in San Francisco was about to begin, and this may have prevented a larger loss of life, as several of the Bay Area's major transportation structures suffered catastrophic failures. The collapse of a section of the double-deck Nymphs Freeway in Oakland was the site of the largest number of casualties for the main event, or for the event, I'm sorry, but the collapse of man-made structures and other related in accidents contributed to the casualties occurring in San Francisco, Los Altos, and Santa Cruz. I'm going to look on YouTube and see if there's anything about Jody Sweden talking about doing the earthquake episode. So I was looking up a little bit. I'm not really finding too much other than Jody Sweden kind of looking back at some of Stephanie's episodes and the fun, crazy antics of the Tanners over the you know eight seasons of the show and then kind of comparing that to um, the wacky, zany silliness of Fuller House. But I'm not really seeing too much about... I mean, I saw her reference the Aftershocks episode, but... And she said that it was, you know... Um, based off the earthquake that had just happened two months prior to that episode being, you know, aired and everything, they wanted to do something in relevance to that. So, um, yeah. I also wanted to look and see if there were TV shows, you know, episodes that might have focused on, you know, earthquakes and stuff like that. And the one that I'm thinking of, I've referenced it before on the podcast... I believe, um, is Party of Five from 1994, uh, if you're familiar with that show, it was on Fox. And it's focused on the Salinger kids, all ranging from ages 24, 16, 15, 12, and 9 months old. And there's an episode in season... What a coincidence! Okay, it's from season 1, episode 16, but we want to know what the coincidence is called? Aftershocks! Aftershocks! Just like in Full House. This episode aired in... On January 18th, 1995. This episode's got an 8.5. And this actually... They showed the earthquake happening. Like, they're in the kitchen and... Claudia is actually really freaked out by the earthquake. To the point where at the end of the episode, I believe she sleeps in Charlie's truck. Charlie is her oldest sibling. Her older brother. And that's the only way that she's going to feel comforted. I think also at one point she was like hanging out in the bathroom. I thought that was another place, a go-to place, is going to the bathroom and being in the tub. I think also, does that also apply to um, tornadoes as well? That's right, she does go through an earthquake plan with them. And she gets angry because nobody is taking it seriously. Because they've all been through earthquakes before. And this one, of course, was a really big one. So, yeah, it's interesting because in Full House, like I said, the, the earthquakes already happened. And usually, sometimes, everyone deals with earthquakes. I've never encountered an earthquake. I don't know what it's like. As far as a natural disaster, I haven't really experienced one before. Um, 
you know, every once in a while there are tornado warnings that pop up around, but I'm kind of near um, a lake now, so we don't really get that here, so. Because everyone else seems to have kind of moved on, like the earthquake happened, it's over, we're moving on with our lives, we've handled earthquakes before, but this one especially just really has rocked Stephanie to the core. Maybe the other ones in her life have been so minor that she barely even noticed them. Like a little, like, oh, the floor feels to be shaking just a little bit, but not enough to be uh, full-blown panic mode. And the thing that bugs me is DJ not, I don't even, I'll, as I'll watch it um, in the episode, I'll check, but I don't think that she really gives any advice of any kind to Stephanie. She doesn't reference the earthquake because she's got her own thing going on with the uh, Santa Claus costume and the zit. So, and Danny is kind of in denial about this whole thing because Jesse and Joey key in immediately to Stephanie's behavior and just, like, Danny's like, oh, she just loves my, she loves me so much. Like, there's more to it than that, but all right. I'm going to officially get into this episode course if you're new to the podcast thank you for joining and here's where you can go and follow along you can go to facebook facebook page oh my land holy chalupas an unofficial full house fuller house podcast on instagram omhc full house fuller house pod on twitter at omhc full house and if you'd like to email the podcast you can do so at O-M-H-C-F-H-F-H podcast at gmail.com. All right, let's get into this episode. All right, we jump right into this cold open. We're in Jesse's room. He's strumming on his guitar. We got Joey on the harmonica wearing a beret. So they're just jamming out, and you see Michelle walk in already with a request, saying, play the teapot song. Oh, we have a request. Okay. <laughs> and Michelle, before she even really walks into the doorway, you see her like cr- probably grabbing at something. Like, oh, got a wedgie, got to got to pull that out. Like, we've all been there, Michelle. We all know what it's like. Uh, <laughs> I want to play this as Jesse kind of makes fun of her lisp. Like, you want to hear the teapot song? <laughs> play the teapot song. You want to hear the teapot form? Go on, Joe. Let's give her a little teapot ballet. All right, Jess. So, yeah. All right, Joe, you want to play the teapot song? So they both are on the floor. They're on Michelle's level. And they are singing the teapot blues as Michelle is shaking her tush. All right, we come out of the intro. We're in the kitchen. And Jesse and Joey are behind the kitchen counter. Jesse's got some tongs, and he pulls a Gumby out of the garbage disposal. And he looks at Michelle immediately, going to, like, this is Michelle's doing, clearly. How did Gumby get stuck in the garbage disposal? And Michelle puts her hands up, like, don't look at me. I didn't do it. And Joey's like, hey, Jess, you found my Gumby. Great. Like, why were you putting him in the garbage disposal? Was he being punished? So, like I said, this episode aired on December 8th, so we're getting around Christmas time here. So this is just Christmas that we never see, because we already did get a Christmas episode in Season 2, Episode 9, I believe, called Our Very First Christmas Show. The Tanners, they're going to celebrate holidays that you don't really see. We'll get quite a few Christmas episodes Season 2. I think there's one in Season 6. There's one in season eight. 
One, two, three. Am I missing one? There's more than that. We get a Thanksgiving one in season one, and then of course we get Thanksgiving in Fuller House as well. So they're getting the holiday. They, you know, they represent um, Halloween as well. So, so don't see Easter. I think that's one of the other holidays. But um, yeah, she's got her costume for the Christmas play tomorrow that she's in. And it's going to be held like during school. So they're not going to see this play. Which also her Romeo and Juliet play that she was in was also held sometime during or after school in the uh, I think it's season three or four Danny in charge no it's season four because Stephanie's older and her hair is longer so she's gonna do a little dress rehearsal throw on the costume just see how everyone likes it I see an empty cardboard box where Comet's supposed to sleep sans Comet Comet where are you Comet where are you He's somewhere in the house. He's hanging out somewhere. We might see him this episode. We might not. How did Comet handle the earthquake? Because at this point, he's a puppy. Dogs can sense things that us humans cannot. He probably predicted that earthquake before it even hit. Oh, DJ's wearing Converse. Is that right? She is wearing Converse. She's got a, um, a yellow... She's got, like, a little bumblebee vibe going on with her yellow shirt, her black pants, and her... Yellow socks and black Converse shoes. So, of course, DJ goes on upstairs to get her costume on. Kimmy, of course, wants to heckle Jesse and Joey. She's like, so, boys, did you do any work today or do you just play house? Because I know in IQ Man, at that point, they're working for Mr. Strobridge. Or, not Mr. Strobridge, Mr. Malatesta with the advertising company. But in IQ Man, at the end, they kind of quit and say, we're going to kind of go our own way, create our own J&J &J Creative Services. So, they're just kind of, they're getting uh, their advertising bits as they come across the table to them. So, Kimmy's outfit here is a fuchsia long-sleeved Low neck turtleneck shirt or my is that a mock turtleneck where it's not a full turtleneck but you just get like the collar but not like I wore turtlenecks uh, man, I don't like turtlenecks I only wore them as a kid because I had to someone who invented the turtleneck you know they did that because they wanted to cover up it that was a fancy way to cover up hickeys right <laughs> that's not actually truth that's just my opinion but she's got um as uh, Aztec, well, I don't want to say Aztec because if I'm wrong, then I'm going to offend somebody. But it's like, um, some little, little faces, um, um, going across her shirt. And then we get, like, a picture down below, and then we get a patch on her sleeve. So, it's, 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 it's basically stuff that the, um... The costume designer is just making up because they probably can't do too many brand names like with DJ with the Converse shoes and everything like that. So they kind of, they make shirts up. They have shirts that they throw patterns on and stuff like crazy, crazy patterns. So this is the first time we get a reference to the earthquake as Joey's like, you know what? Your mom called. Your room's been painted. Repairs from the earthquake are finished. She said you can move back home. And he says, actually, they were finished yesterday, but somehow <laughs> your mom forgot to call us. Another sign of neglect on Kimmy as her parents are neglectful. That apparently never wanted Kimmy to begin with. That's just, just terrible and sad. 
But there's so many, you know, drops of hints of that throughout the show's run. Oh, I see a picture that's a blue picture. It's got a house on it, and it says, To Dad Love DJ. So this is something she probably made in, like, kindergarten or first grade. Oh, there's a Big Bird magnet on the fridge. See, this is cool. I'm noticing this stuff for the first time, and it's just fun. There's also a blender on the counter behind Joey underneath the, the uh, on the counter underneath the, uh, cabinet. So they're really, man, Kimmy is on love. She can't get any love from her neighbors. She can't get any love from her parents. Sad, sad Kimmy. But she just shakes it off like it's nothing. It's like, yeah, it's only been two days. But Joseph, geez, doesn't it feel like it's been, like, longer than that? And she's like, alright, well, I'll go pack my stuff and head home. And he's like, oh, uh, don't worry, we, we already packed it for you, Kimmy. We got your bag right here. It's all part of our service. Of course, Michelle's like, no, Kimmy, don't go. I miss you. And Kimmy looks to Joey and Jesse, like, oh, say the little goofball worships me. And she looks at Michelle, would you be happy if I stayed here one more night? And you see in the behind Kimmy... Joey and Jesse are waving their hands like, no, Michelle, no. And, of course, Michelle mimics this like, yes. <laughs> like, all right. And Michelle's like, I'll take this to your room. And she drags that duffel bag. <laughs> I'm going to play this clip. See you later, kid. It's been a slice. <laughs> I guess I'll go pack. Oh, no need. Already packed for you. <laughs> it's all part of our service. Should we don't go. I miss you. The little goofball worships me. Would it make you happy if I stay here one more night? No. Yes. And I'm staying. I take this to your room. <laughs> duffel bag's as big as she is. So she drags that duffel bag out of there. Stephanie comes in and she's like, what's going on? And Kimmy's like, well, I was about to go home, but everyone just loved me so much that I decided to stay another night. Of course, Stephanie is on the I Hate Kimmy train, and she's like, huh, first the earthquake, now this. Hey, what's going on? Well, I was about to go home, but everyone begged me to stay one more night. <laughs> first the earthquake, now this. Haven't I been through enough? <laughs> belly shook like a bowl of jelly you'd be my kind of woman if your belly shook like a bowl full of jelly you look great Deej mercy you look cute what do you think Steph great costume and it matches that red pimple on your nose you're kidding right check it out this can't be I've never ever had a zit being a teenager Deej Well, Deej, it's okay. It's part of life, you know? Sooner or later, everybody gets a visit from the zit fairy. Yep. I have to be Mrs. Claus tomorrow in front of the whole school. You could always switch parts and play Rudolph. What are you laughing at, parakeet legs? Ooh, cranky pimple. So, enter in plot B as DJ comes down in a flourish, her beautiful 
Mrs. Claus Christmas gown. Take a look at me. See how beautiful I am. And she twirls around. And I love how Joey's like, oh, if my belly shook but like a bowl full of jelly, you'd be my kind of woman. And of course, Jesse's like, really? If your belly shook like a bowl full of jelly? He's like, you look cute. You look good, DJ. He's like, mercy. <laughs> like, whoa. <laughs> and of course, Joey's like, yeah, you look cute, Deej. Stephanie comes in, like, D, uh, D, uh, <laughs> Stephanie, what do you think of my, uh, Christmas outfit? And Stephanie, of course, drops the truth from, like, yeah, she's gonna g give her a dash, uh, dash of, uh, harsh, uh, realism here. Like, oh, yeah, it looks great with that red zit on your nose. It matches that red zit. And DJ is so floored. Like, oh my gosh, are you serious? I can't. This can't be happening. I've never had it. She takes the toaster, looks at her reflection. Like, oh my gosh, it is a zit. And I'm like, welcome to being a teenager, Deej. I mean, yes, the nose is an awkward place. You know, an embarrassing place to have a zit. It's a little zit. You want to know what's even more embarrassing? How about your chin? How about your forehead? Yeah, and if you don't have bangs to hide that zit, well, what are you going to do? I've had a plenty. In fact, my sixth grade photo, I have a zit on my face. It sucks. That zit is there forever in that picture. <laughs> it didn't have Photoshop, couldn't airbrush it or anything. And it's just like, oh boy. I was really, as I got older with the acne, really preoccupied with that to the point where it was very distressing. I mean, there were guys, you know, guys in my school that really had the, and I don't, shouldn't even really technically be calling what I had acne because it's not like they showed up in droves on my face. It was like, like, I had one here. By the time that went away, another one popped up somewhere else. There was a guy that had it so bad, his face was littered with it to the point where his skin had turned purple where it was. And I didn't even, um, I'd never heard of the term acne scarring. When I was young, I was in the grocery store, and this lady that worked in the meat department she had had, um, really bad acne scarring from what I saw, and I just assumed, like, the lady had been in, like, a car crash or something, and just, I, I didn't know what acne scarring was. But, yeah, it's almost like having those things became a focal point. Like, I would just, ugh, it would drive me nuts to the point where my family could tell, like, were you... I'm picking at your face again. My grandma would always threaten me with, you keep doing that, you're gonna get infantigo. You keep doing that to your head, or your face, or whatever, you're gonna get, you know, you're picking it with all that good, all that bad stuff. So, yeah, it just, it's like you couldn't, I couldn't focus on anything else. Granted, they don't, they tell you don't do that, just wash your face. There are even adults that have to deal with that as well. It's not just for teenagers. Like, I'm sure, you know, stress can bring it on. You know, your hormones, all that stuff. And it sucks. It's, but being a teenager and having that, you're already self-conscious about how you look. And throwing zits in there and pimples. And, yeah. 
to a teenager that's like the end of the world my sister actually had some school photos where she had one like on her chin or something but um yeah so jesse tells her look deej everyone gets a visit from the zit fairy i like how you refer to it as the zit fairy like yeah it's not your first it ain't gonna be your last all right now it is nighttime in the tanner home all these sounds that Stephanie's hearing she's probably heard before but due to the earthquake it's like everything she's experiencing now has been amped up amped up to hysteria hysteria level like what's a normal like vehicle going down the road or a garbage truck it's not like I did you feel that DJ did you feel that Cause she goes over to DJ and she's like, DJ, DJ, wake up and shaking her at the same time. It's like, you don't necessarily have to shake her, but, and she's like, do you feel that shaking? And she's shaking her and she's like, yeah, I feel shaking. You're shaking me. Stop. Yes, I feel it. Stop shaking me. <laughs> I think we just had another so she turns on the lights like i think we just had another little earthquake of course kimmy gets right up like stephanie don't be such a scaredy cat she says your little earthquake is a garbage truck as she goes over to the window and even dj really isn't helping this she's like steph just go back to sleep okay it's like three in the morning right now and stephanie's like how can you sleep when a garbage truck is pretending to be an earthquake it's like uh the girls are really they're not buying into this supposed stuff they just feel like she's being over dramatic and everything they're not taking her seriously they're not identifying this as trauma which it clearly is so stephanie shakes her head and just like hey i'm gonna go check on michelle make sure she's okay so while they're up dj and kimmy kimmy's like hey how's your zit you put that zip cream on there how's it doing like let me go check like eh, it's no better it's gonna take a few days. That's usually what happens. You put a little zit cream on one night. You put a little more on the next. It'll go away on its own. And by the time it does, another one will pop up somewhere else. So Michelle is also asleep. This has got to be like early, early in the morning. She's even shaking Michelle awake. Of course, Michelle thinks it's morning. And something's like, no, no, it's not morning. She's like, it's not morning. You're having trouble sleeping. And Michelle's like, I am? And Stephanie's like, yes, you are. We need to go sleep with Daddy. Like, oh my goodness. So it's almost like in a way that Stephanie is transferring her fears into Michelle. Like, or trying to justify her fears by saying like, oh, you're having trouble sleeping. Or maybe she's like, if I make you feel that you're also having trouble sleeping, I won't feel alone in this situation or, or, or something to that effect. So, like, follow me. We're going to go sleep in Daddy's room. And apparently when she goes in there, Danny is, like, stretched out, middle of the bed, arms extended outweighs. He's snoring. Apparently Kimmy also snores, which... Get some of those breathe strips. They kind of work. I actually got some for Jeremy. And as long as he doesn't sleep on his back... And just sleeps on his side. I don't have to worry about the snoring. I do have a fan going right now. And the window's open like I usually do. It's 81 degrees and it's after 11 a.m. at this. Oh, it's 11, 11. Last time I said it was like 10, 11. How wild is that? It's been an hour exactly. So 
Stephanie goes to the doorway, looks at Michelle, like, come on, we'll go sleep in Daddy's room. And Michelle folds her arms like, this is nuts. And it clearly is. Michelle's probably like, yeah, if you want to go sleep in Daddy's room, sure, I'll go back and sleep in my bed. But I'm guessing that Stephanie feels like if she brings along Michelle, it's not going to seem as bad. Because as Danny states, like, Steph, look, sweetie, I love you, but you've been doing this a lot lately. Oh, man. Yeah, I wouldn't be able to put up with that. He's in the middle of the bed in between two pillows. And he's snoring. And Michelle's like, he's he's loud. <laughs> so Stephanie tells Michelle, you go in that side there and I'll go on this side. Good night, Michelle. Good night, Stephanie. Good night, Daddy. <laughs> Michelle. Why are you awake? My eyes are open. Hi, <laughs> Dad. Oh, hey. It's a party now. <laughs> Steph, this has been happening too much lately. You know you cannot sleep in my room. I know. But this time it wasn't my fault. Michelle came into my room, woke me up, and dragged me in here. I did not. Did so. Did not. Did so. Did not. Did not. Okay. <laughs> I think I get the gist of this. Something did or did not happen. All right, it's a slumber party, okay? Everybody go to bed. Okay. Good night. Daddy, don't for story. I do not snore. Do too. Do not. Do too. Do not. Do too. Do not, do not, do not. Go to bed. Do not. Do too. Well, we definitely know why <laughs> she dragged Michelle with her. So that way... It wouldn't seem as bad when Danny says, Honey, you've been doing this too much lately. You know you cannot sleep in my room like this. And boom! Stephanie uses Michelle as a scapegoat. Like, Dad, it's not my fault. Michelle came into my room, freaked me out, dragged me in here, and Michelle was really, uh, excuse me, that didn't happen. You actually dragged me into this room and woke me up. So, yeah, that's, they're just, they're going to bed. Of course, Michelle's like, Daddy, please don't snore anymore. And Danny, of course, a person who snores probably isn't going to know that they snore unless a person is telling them. Or unless you get it on video. So it's the next day. The girls are ready for school. Kimmy's got the, um, the garment bag with... DJ's costume. She's carrying it for her. DJ comes down. Her hair is all flipped forward like Cousin It style. She's got sunglasses on. And of course she heads to the door and Joey's just watching all of this like ah, da, da. he calls her Benji like no it's clearly Cousin It. Like seriously DJ that's it is not a big deal. The fact that you're doing all of this you're just calling that much more attention to yourself. You play it off like it's no big deal and people are just going to move on. All of the kids at this age are going to have a zit here or there. They're going to be able to relate to you. And, I mean, come on. There's an episode of Grounded for Life. I'm not sure what season. Maybe it was like season four. Where Jimmy had this big, enormous zit 
on his forehead. Like, and he kept imagining it, like, getting bigger and bigger. There's even an episode of Family Guy where Chris gets a zit, and this zit starts talking to him like that, that, um, Venus flytrap eating that plant thing from Little House of Horrors. I will... Little Shop of Horrors. I will not ever watch that movie. Saw it once as a kid. Traumatized me. I will not ever watch it again. I know it's not a horror movie. It's a musical. But still. Movie traumatized me. Hold it, Benji. (laughs) DJ, that pimple is not that bad. Joey, I cannot be Mrs. Santa Claus like this. She's 612 years old. Her face would have cleared up by now. Kid, if it's bothering you that much, it's very simple. Just put a band-aid on it. Bad having. Why would Mrs. Claus wear a band-aid? I'll just say that Jack Frost was nipping at your nose. <laughs> ho, ho, ho. Stifle it, Kimmy. Kimmy, let's go. Lead me to the bus. Bye, DJ. Good luck with your play. Thanks, Dad. I'll need it. So, and Joey's like, Deej, look, that zit is not that bad. And the fact that she's putting her hair in front of her face means he's calling that much more attention to it. And even Jesse is like, seriously, here, you want to do something about it? Here, let's put a little band-aid on your nose. Like, you're still calling attention to it. The zit, you can barely see it. And she's freaked out because she's in a play, which is going to be how many feet from the... From the seats, nobody's gonna see the zit. But the more attention that you call to it, I like her bag though. It's really cool. It's like a tie-dyed, like violet and um, like light white purple. It's really cool. So she's just like uh, she flips her hair back in front of her face. Like, all right, Kimmy, lead me to the bus. Danny comes in with Stephanie and. Danny's like, hey, Deej, have a good time at your play. Good luck with it. She's like, alright, thanks, I'll need it. Like, you'll be fine. She'll be fine. She'll realize that other kids have zits. It's a part of life. We all go through it. I mean, seriously, even Marcia Brady at one point in her life got a zit. And she, I don't know how she dealt with it. She probably stayed inside until it went away. Because that seems like the Marcia Brady way. So, yeah, Stephanie is really clingy. Like, she comes in and says, Daddy and I are having the best morning, aren't we, Daddy? He's like, oh, we sure are, sweetie. She's like, yeah, let's keep the fun going. I'll go to work with you. And Danny's like, And he is like, honey, you know you have to go to school. You can't go with me to work. And she's like, okay, well, you come to school with me then. It's macaroni surprise day. Like, so my guess is the earthquake just happened and she is like not letting him out of her sight. Oh, she really flatters him by saying, I bet I can learn more by hanging out with you. What in the world was that? And she goes for even more flattery because she says, you're the smartest person in the whole world. Danny's like, well, gee, I don't know if I'm the smartest person in the whole world. He's like, well, there must be someone smarter as he sits down at the kitchen table with his coffee. Like, uh, maybe in Japan? What are they doing with comment the dog here? It's like, they're trying to direct him to it. He's just, like, in the shot. But he's close to being off screen. And Jesse and Joey together, like, no. He's like, don't worry, we'll have plenty of fun together when I get home from work. And she's like, yay, I can't wait. And she hugs him. 
He's like, oh, this is so sweet. So he's not seeing this as her being clingy. He's like, no, she's just being overly affectionate. What direction were they trying to give Comet? I mean, Danny could have stepped on him the way the dog was, like, coming, you know, to whoever the trainer is just off set, just off of that kitchen linoleum. He's like, having the dog go back right to where Danny shoots. It's almost like... This dog could have been stepped on because they, uh, Bob Saget's trying to do his scene with Stephanie. It's like, I really can't focus if there's a dog, like, running right between my feet. I kind of like Stephanie's sweater. It's of a Dutch windmill. And it's, like, um, got you know, roses and flowers and stuff. Like, it's really pretty. I'm going to play this clip as Stephanie leaves. She suggests he come to school with her because it's Macaroni Surprise Day. And when she leaves... Uh, Joey really gets into it, like, what's going on with her? She is really clingy to you. And Danny just, like, well, I mean, you heard her. She said, like, I'm the smartest man in the world and everything. She just loves me a lot. It's like, he's not ready to, he, in his mind, he probably doesn't even see it as a problem. She's just being overly affectionate. Well, there's being affectionate with your parent, and there's clinging to them like you're clinging to their leg like don't leave me the fact that she wants to go to work with him or better yet have him come with her to school that's not normal behavior Steph's really been clingy to you lately what's going on with her nothing's going on with her what's wrong with a daughter adoring her father you heard her she thinks I'm the smartest most handsome dad in the whole universe she didn't say anything about handsome. <laughs> well, it goes without saying. So that's pretty much where the scene ends there. We don't get into it until they really address it with Danny. As in, there is something really going on with Stephanie. Now, of course, Stephanie's probably been waiting by the door since she got home from school, waiting for her dad to show up. And she's looking out the door like, where's daddy? Because she's calling for Jesse and Joey. Like, where is he? He's supposed to be here. She's probably thinking this is like the earthquake all over again because he was three hours late that we learned later on. Like, you know what? He was probably stuck in traffic, which I believe he does say I was stuck in traffic. There's an earthquake going on and you're in traffic. You are not moving. Uh, like I said, I've not been in an earthquake. I've not been in a traffic jam with something like that. But my guess is that that is probably how it's going to go. Everyone's going to probably try to take to the road. Everyone else is going to have that same idea. There's going to be a traffic jam to the point where nobody's going to move. I'm going to play this clip as Stephanie gets very, very paranoid. Oh, I noticed that they have a Christmas wreath on the door. Yeah, she's getting really worked up here. And I like how Joey and Jesse, in raising these girls, they can see... They know the girls' behavior. Danny does too, but they're with these girls all the time. So they're able to see something is... She's not acted like this before. So something is clearly wrong. I mean, it's one thing to be worried and then you move on from it. And she's definitely not moving on with this. And nobody else is affected in the way that she is affected. So it seems like Stephanie is a sensitive child that when something affects her it affects her very deeply dj on the other hand seems that something will affect her she'll deal with it and then she'll start to move on 
Michelle is maybe too young to, I mean, she can feel things and everything, like when Howie moved and everything, but she slowly moved on from that. I just think Pam's death, I mean, it hit all the, well, it hit DJ and Stephanie, but it hit Stephanie hard. And like I said, you hear that from DJ and Fuller House, that Stephanie went up in her room and, like, wouldn't come out. Probably just stuck in traffic, Steph. You don't know that for sure. Uh, Steph, honey, while we wait for your dad, why don't we watch that really cool Wizard of Oz tape? Yeah, you love those munchkins. Joey? We represent home. Daddy, where were you? I missed you. Oh, I missed you too. I was stuck in traffic. Let's play pickup sticks. We'll have a great time. The whole game is cleaning up. I'd love to, sweetie, but it's going to have to wait until tomorrow, okay? <laughs> Honey, I have dinner plans tonight. Okay, I'll go with you. Should I wear my pink dress or my blue dress? Sweetheart, it's a business dinner. Better go with the blue. <laughs> I'm sorry, honey. It's for grown-ups only, okay? You can't go. No, Daddy, you can't go! Sweetie, it's only for a couple hours. Steph, we'll be here with you. Yeah, we'll play any game you want. No, I want my daddy! You can't go! Don't leave me! Don't leave me! It's okay, it's okay. I won't go. I'll stay here with you. Okay, everything's all right. So, Joey tried to entertain her with the Munchkin song from Wizard of Oz, and she's like, eh, Munchkin Land. Door opens, Danny's there. Stephanie is to that door in like a split second. Like, Daddy, where were you? I missed you. And she jumps into his arms, arms wrapped around his neck so that when he tries to put her down, her arms are like vices around his neck. Like, she is not letting him go. And he realizes that, like, honey, yeah, I miss you too. I was stuck in traffic. Which is what Jesse and Joey said. And she's like, hey, let's play pickup sticks. You'll like it. The game is all about cleaning up. And he's like, well, honey, it's going to have to wait till tomorrow because I have a business dinner I have to go to. My guess is this is a business dinner that just kind of he found out about that day because if he had already known about it, he probably would have brought it up to Stephanie in the morning. So she's like, all right, should I wear my pink dress or my blue dress? And he's like, well, it's a business dinner. She's like, well, I better go with the blue. And he's like, honey, you can't come with me. This is for adults. And he starts to walk away towards the kitchen and she runs after him like, no, daddy, you can't go. And she wraps her arms around his waist like, no, please, don't leave me. And Danny kind of turns and says, like, sweetie, it's only for a couple hours. And Jesse kind of jumps in there. He's like, well, Steph, we'll be here with you. And even Joey said, yeah, we'll play any game you want to. And she looks at them almost like she doesn't know them, like they're strangers. Like, they're not good enough. Like, no, I don't want you. I want my daddy. And she's like, please don't leave me. Please don't leave me. And it's that fear that was perpetuated by the earthquake being he was three hours late. He wasn't 20 minutes late. He wasn't an hour late. He was three hours late. And there was no way to get in touch with him. This is pre-cell phones. Um, I mean, it was 1989. 
So if he's stuck in traffic, he's stuck in traffic. There's no way to get a hold of anybody. The only thing he could have done, and maybe will do, is say, he will call him and say, I am leaving now. If I'm not there at this time, odds are I'm in a traffic jam. Or I'm stuck in traffic. It's L.A. You're, you know, people probably get stuck in traffic on a regular basis. And she's telling him, like, don't leave me, don't leave me. It's like, my gosh. It's almost like it's her mother in the car accident all over again. Like, it's fine. Any other day of the week, yeah, Jesse and Joey would be fine substitutes. But in this instance, in the earthquake, she has got major PTSD. She really should be seeing somebody. And it's going to take Jesse and Joey to convince Danny that that's what she needs. Because he is going to have an instance where they're up in his room playing a game. And he's trying to get her to open up. And she keeps saying, no, there's nothing bothering me. Nothing is wrong. So it's like, yeah. And I, I feel bad for her, for her going through this. But I feel bad for Danny because up until this point, other than, you know, the car accident with Pam, it's like, He's never dealt with some type of- He's never had to deal with his kids having something so- Like, this behavior is so- He's- he's- he's never seen it before. He doesn't know how to handle this. And he, you know, kind of grabs her by- by the arms and gets down on her level. Like, honey, it's okay. I'm right here. I am right here. I won't let anything- I'm not going anywhere. I'll stay here with you. And the look that he gives Jesse and Joey is like- Okay, I understand now what you're talking about, what you're trying to tell me. And it's almost like looking at, like, what do I do now? What do I do with this? And, like, I'm ready to listen to whatever you guys, you know. But they're gonna, they're gonna come back. They're gonna come back with the, with the, for her to go see a specialist. And the thing is, DJ's at... Where maybe she's upstairs, maybe she's hanging out with Kimmy, Michelle's in a room. None of the, uh, the two of the girls do not witness this. And I kind of wonder, there's a, is that a bug? So yeah, I can only imagine how DJ and Michelle would react to Stephanie's outbursts like this. I know for an instant that DJ would swoop in there and she would, like, Stephanie, it's okay, we're here with you. You're all right. But Michelle's younger, so I kind of wonder. I think this would, like, scare her. So, yes, now we cut to Danny's room. The girl, uh, Michelle and Stephanie, they're playing a Barrel of Monkeys. And Danny's just sitting on the floor with her, just kind of, you know, watching her and her behavior. Now that she's calmed down, she's back to herself, her normal self. She's having fun. It's almost like he's thinking, what happened there? To go from one extreme to just being completely, like, um, back to normal. So now it's Michelle's turn as he, alright, he gather, they gather the monkeys, put them in the barrel. He does not put the top on, by the way. And he's like, first thing you do is shake it up. And she starts, you know, wiggling her, you know, doing her little dance thing. He's like, well, while you're shaking here, take this. What is that door that leads to nowhere? Because he's on the second story. There must be a balcony there. So, Danny uses this time with Michelle being occupied to try to talk to Stephanie and find out what is going on with her. 
Steph, why don't you and I have a little talk over here, just the two of us, okay? Okay. Steph, I want to ask you something. How come you were so upset tonight when I told you I was going out to dinner? Because I want to be with you. Honey, lately, you've been clinging to my side all the time. If something's bothering you, I want to know what it is so I can make you feel better. I feel fine. Well, then I guess you won't be sleeping in my room anymore. Why not? Are you mad at me? No, honey, I'm not mad at you. I just need to know what is bothering you. Nothing is bothering me. So, they, Danny and Stephanie sit on his bed, and Stephanie starts out with, Oh, I heard a good joke today in school. How do you know that an elephant's been in your fridge? He's like, I don't know. She's like, by the footprints in the butter. This song, this uh, joke is familiar. Want to know why? Because it was in the Silence is Golden episode from season six, where Michelle calls the funny buddy who tells jokes and charges like probably $2 or $3 a minute. Because that's when she goes to tell, Michelle goes to tell that joke, Danny's on the phone having called that number, and he gives the punchline away. And she's like, how did you know that? And he's like, your funny buddy just told me. Yeah. Interesting how that joke comes back. So it's almost, I, part of me thinks like, Stephanie knows he want, probably wants to talk about something serious, so she tries to lighten the mood by saying, I learned a joke today. She's like, alright, you tell one. He's like, alright. What's in the ocean and is purple? It's like a purple fish, and he's like, "No, Moby Grape." And she's like, "I don't get it." And he's like, "Yeah, that wasn't my best joke." Like, yeah, it really wasn't. It was stupid. So of course, Michelle is on the floor. Like, hey, remember me? It's monkey time. And Danny's like, "Michelle, the monkeys are tired. You just put them back in their barrel and they'll go to sleep." I'm looking at um, Danny's headboard. He's got pictures of DJ. He's got some trophies. He's got a figurine of a sea captain. A lot of different things there. It's a shame we don't see a wedding picture of Danny and Pam. So he turns to Stephanie and asks, How come you were so upset tonight when I told you I was going out to dinner? And she plays it off like, Yeah, well, I just want to be with you. And he's like, Honey, lately you've been clinging to my side all the time. And not, it's like, not that I don't enjoy... You know, your company and stuff like that, but... And the way he phrases it, if something's bothering you... He, yeah, he's like, I want to know what it is so I can make you feel better. It's like, I think this goes deeper than what you're able to do. And when you phrase it like, something's bothering you, like... Like, when you say bother, it seems like something that a person is either troubled over, or it sounds more like some something that someone is irritated by, but it more bothering means, I think in a way it means like you're worried, you're bothered by something. And she just plays it off like, oh, I feel fine as she gets off the bed. And he's like, well, then I guess you won't be spending the night in my room anymore. And she stops and turns and looks at him like, oh, did I do something wrong? Why not? Are you mad at me? He's like, no, honey, I'm not mad at you. I just want to know what's bothering you. And she finally erupts at him like, nothing is bothering me. It's like, Nothing that you can really ask her, she's not going to delve into this. If he at least said, like, let's talk about the earthquake that happened. How were you feeling that day? And I think if he started with that, 
that I think that maybe he could have, may, maybe, maybe, but then again, maybe he is too closely related to the subject and he is the main focal point of her worry. So maybe that, I don't think that he would have been able to get it out of her. Jesse and Joey, I don't think they, I think it takes an outside source to be able to get in there and just start asking the right questions because these people, they they have the degrees, they've been trained, they know what questions to ask to be able to get the answers that will reveal what's going on. And guys, I'm not a psychiatrist either, so I'm just going, ba- you know, based on you know watching this episode and everything like that. So this is later in. Is this later in the day? I'm guessing, because. Jesse and Joey are back in the kitchen. He's like, oh, this soup has absolutely no taste. And of course, Jesse's like, I'm boiling water. What does that... Boil it! Why are you putting that in your mouth? Oh my goodness. DJ comes back from the play and turns out she went into the bathroom. All the other girls had zits. So of course, DJ is like, hey, I'm going to make a joke. Let's play Connect the Dots. And we all laughed about it. Like, yes, this was just your first zit of many to come in the future. Ten other girls checking out their zits in the mirrors? Oh my goodness. Everyone, it's a zit epidemic, everybody. Of course, this is, <laughs> we're not going to play this clip. Jesse's like, ah, see, Joey, we did it again. And of course, Joey's like, Jess, we didn't do anything. And Jesse's like, please just let me, you know, have my moment here. <laughs> Joey, we did it again. Jess, we didn't do anything. <laughs> Will you just let me have my moment, please? Okay, this is clearly that same day. Because Danny comes in, they ask how it went with Steph. And he's at a loss. He's like, I don't know, she won't tell me what's wrong with her. He says he tried everything, but he can't get through to her. So he tried playing a game with her. He tried asking her what's wrong, what's bothering you. No mention of the earthquake. So Joey's like, hey, Danny, look, don't be so hard on yourself. And Danny's like, I have a trophy in my bedroom that says world's greatest dad. I'd like to earn it. Like, there is no world's greatest dad. You made that trophy for yourself. Or maybe one of the girls got it for you for your birthday or for Father's Day. But sometimes you need an outside source to help with these problems. So I'm going to play this clip as Danny's like, yeah, that's going to do me a lot of good tomorrow. Because Jesse's like, you can't really solve every problem. And he's like, when I try to leave to go to work tomorrow, and Stephanie will not let go of my leg. It's like, this is clearly getting to be much. It's no longer, this is just a daughter who loves her daddy. This is, uh, my child is paranoid to the point of hysterics when I leave, go to leave the house. So clearly, this is happening she only does this when Danny has to go somewhere without her. So clearly this is a Danny-related problem. And he realizes that, yeah, when I go, Stephanie's gonna, you know, react again. That's gonna do me a lot of good tomorrow when I try to leave the house and Stephanie won't let go of my leg. Maybe we need some help with this. What do you mean? Take her to a therapist or something? Yeah, why not? Joey, it's not that serious. Danny, you just said that you Look, look, she has these times when she needs me, and then we spend some time together and, and things are calm again. Hey, Danny, admit it. After what happened today, whatever Stephanie's problem is, it's not going away. It's getting worse. 
Well, what do you want me to do? Take her to some stranger and say I can't handle my own kid's problem? No. I want you to say that you love Stephanie so much that you would do anything to help her. I'll call Steph's pediatrician and see who he recommends. You're a great dad. You know, you guys make pretty good dads yourself. Thanks. Now you go make your phone call, clean up for dinner, and you wash under those nails, young man. <laughs> yes, sir. And, son? <laughs> I know about those magazines under your bed. <laughs> okay, so what Jesse said prior to them talking about Stephanie's problem and him not being able to go to work... Uh, Jesse says not every dad knows every answer to every kid's problem. And that's where Danny says, yeah, that's going to do me a lot of good when I try to go to work tomorrow and Stephanie won't let go of my leg. And Joey is the one to suggest maybe we need some help with this. Like, as in the three of us can't come up with a solution or figure out what is going on, we need to get somebody from the outside who is trained to deal with things like this because they're not even addressing it as a trauma they're not even addressing it as a cause of the earthquake it's just it's something that stephanie has grasped and she won't let go to what's going on danny right away is like what you mean take her to a therapist and i'm like okay apparently yes nobody's gone to a therapist since pam has passed or when she passed that is not healthy and this isn't healthy. But at least Jesse and Joey acknowledge there's a problem. Danny has seen the results of what this problem is doing to him via, you know, what Stephanie's going through and how it's affecting, you know, his daily life. But it's almost like back in the 80s, like, seeing a psychiatrist or seeing anybody like that, as people would refer to them like, oh, a head shrink, a quack. Uh, this, uh, you know, day Jason Seaver. I don't know if he saw, he saw mainly adult patients and he's in New York and they're in California. Wouldn't, uh, granted they're on the same network, but man, can you imagine if they like find Jason Seaver to help Stephanie with her problems? That would have been cool. That would have been cool. Even though, yes, Jason tends to overanalyze a lot of stuff, but he would be able to help lady they got to play the psychiatrist is pretty good too so now danny's in denial is like joey it's not that serious and joey's like well danny you just said that she's and, and danny stands up like look there's times when she needs me and times when she's just fine it'll blow over this always happens she gets a little clingy we work it out we move on and jesse's like danny look whatever's going on with stephanie it is not getting better. In fact, it is getting worse. The fact that she kept you from going to a business meeting, which was probably mandatory, probably had to go. I mean, it's fact, the one thing she's keeping you from trying to go to work, she wants to bring you to school where she can keep an eye on you for eight hours. And now she's keeping you from going out, like, out of the house completely at all. Like, as long as he's in my vicinity and I can see him, then I know that he's safe. And the fact that she also wants to sleep in his bed at night with him to make sure she's right there. That way, she's comforted, he's still there, everything's fine. Yeah, he says, she has these times when she needs me, and then we spend time together and things are calm again. Because the way that he was looking at her when they were playing that game, 
It's almost like he was a little satisfied that, okay, she's calm now. This is okay. And it seems like maybe, like, she's had issues in the past before, like, after Pam died where... You know, she would get overly upset and worked out. She he she probably went through this when Pam died, when Danny was going out of the house to work. Like, I don't want to lose my only parent. He's the only parent I have left. He looks so visibly angry at Jesse and Joey's suggestions of taking Stephanie to a psychiatrist to the point he was like, what do you want me to do? You want me to take her to a, to a stranger and say, I can't handle my kid's problem? And Jesse's like, no. What I want you to do is go and see this person and say, I love my daughter so much. I'm willing to do whatever it takes to help her get better. It's like, this isn't about you and your failure as a father because you feel like you're failing your child by not being able to diagnose the problem and, you know, help them. This is about the fact that this is out of, in a way, your jurisdiction that this is so serious that you need to bring in a professional who's probably dealt with children with trauma before who can identify the problem and come up with some solutions. Because, like I said, Danny is the main focal point of this problem, as is the earthquake. So, of course, Stephanie isn't going to be able to tell him. The way he says, take her to some stranger... And you're not taking her to some guy in an alley say, hey, diagnose my child's problem. You're taking her to someone who's got a degree, who's gone through, who specializes in children. And he's like, all right, I will call Steph's pediatrician to see who he recommends. More than likely, like, who is covered by his insurance. Because I saw a lot of different people. I went from seeing um, a, I guess if you want to call her a, a nun, um... A Francisca nun. I saw her when I... Quinn, what are you doing? Crazy cat. I love you, but good grief. Um, I saw her when I was seven when I started living with my aunt and uncle. And I saw her throughout a little bit. And then again, I saw her as a teenager. Like, of my own accord. My dad's like, do you want... Because I was... In high school, I was really... I was depressed and was going through a lot of stuff. And he's like, my dad says, do you want to talk to, you know, Sister Colleen? And I'm like, yes. Because whatever I was, and I was seeing school psychiatrists through, from the time I was, you know, seven all the way up, you know, through high school just so that way they were seeing how my day was going, how I was adjusting to new things. When I went from living with my aunt and uncle for a year and a half to moving back to my dad's house to a lot of the struggles with ju being in junior high and high school and just feeling like I didn't fit in and just how I just didn't like myself. I just, yeah, I mean, they're there to, to help you work through your problems and come up with solutions and stuff like that. I just... I needed someone who was not in my family to be able to help me with these problems. Because it's one thing if your parent, your family will listen to you, but they're not. A lot of times it feels like you don't want to come to your family because you know you're going to get judged for whatever you're, you're bringing up. Person, person who's getting paid is not going to judge you. They're going to come up with ways to help you get better. And if that is medication, then so be it. I was on antidepressants. When I was a teenager. 
And it really kind of helped, you know, even out, you know, I have my highs, I have my lows. I have my days where I'd be upset and crying and couldn't make it throughout the day. So, I, I, it definitely helped me. So, I like how Joey and Jesse kind of comfort Danny, like patting him on the back, like, hey, you are a great dad. Like, we're going to get through this. We're going to find out what's going on. We're going to help Stephanie. Just because you couldn't figure out the solution to the problem does not mean you're a bad father. So I love how they kind of, you know, because it was a serious moment, they, they got to kind of lighten the mood a little bit. Like, all right, Jesse's like, all right, you go upstairs, you make your phone call, clean up for dinner, and you wash under those nails, young man. <laughs> and, of course, Danny goes to go to the stairs in the kitchen, and Joey kind of, like, tricks the finger, like, calls him back, like, eh, son, and I know about those dirty magazines under your bed. Or those magazines under your bed. And of course, Danny's like, oh, come on, <laughs> you guys. So we needed that. We needed to be able to get Danny to kind of cool down. Because he was getting a little, he was getting a little, a little amped up. Without, I think in a way he almost felt like maybe Jesse and Joey were almost attacking his abilities of being a father. Like, oh, I yeah, but like I said, guys, I've been going on with that for a bit now, so let's move on. Alright, now we get a shot of the city, and now we're going to um, the doctor's office. So there's a lady here with a young girl who usually you're going to be in a waiting room, and you're going to wait till that person is finished with a patient. You're not going to see said patient. Because this has got to be kind of awkward. Like, oh, it's another kid who... But maybe that makes Stephanie feel good to see another child there. So she's like, oh, it's not just me that needs to see somebody, but another child. So she feels, you know, that, okay, that's fine. I can... Yeah. So this little girl, I'm, I'm trying to... I remind a couple of times what she's doing is, like, sticking her thumb in her mouth. And the lady playing her mother, whether it's her real mother or not, I don't know. But she's, like, telling her, like, get your finger out of your mouth. Is she sucking her thumb? That's my, that's what I'm getting from that. It's like, maybe, you know, she's about Stephanie's age, seven, eight years old, and she's sucking her thumb. That's what I'm getting from that. That maybe that's why they were, she, the mother was taking the daughter there. Like, she's sucking her thumb. She's seven. I think there's something going on with her. Can you please help her out? Yeah, this would not happen where you're, one patient's leaving and another's coming in. It's, but then again, this lady probably runs us out of a school or something. Because the room is very colorful. It's got blues and green blue and light green and gray. And it's got blue bookshelves and just looks like a fun place where you see toys. It's welcoming. It's inviting. There's a sign language alphabet on the wall poster. So Stephanie's like... Well, the lady's like, I'm just finishing up here. And I'm like, then why are they there? But she's like, hey, how is it in here? And the little girl's like, it's pretty good. And the best part is you get to miss school. I probably did get, I mean, when I had sessions in school where I, you know, had to see somebody, I did get to miss a little bit of class, which was pretty cool. Uh, and, um, <laughs> um, I'm sure there were times where, um, oh, when I was living with my aunt and uncle, I actually had to go for testing for hearing tests and other, um, tests and stuff like that. I actually was able to get, when I was, uh, 25, all of the stuff, the observations and everything like that, paperwork, all that stuff 
that I had on me from the time I was two years old until I was probably almost a senior in high school. All of that observations, all of that stuff was there for me to look at and really kind of go back and like, yeah, I remember when I did this. I remember when this happened. I may read just a smidge of some of that stuff to you guys. I, I mean, at the end, so that way if you don't want to hear it, you don't have to. But So I'm going to play this clip as the lady is saying goodbye to the mother and child and Danny and Stephanie are there. Hello. Hi. I'm Marion Steiner. I'm Danny Tanner, and this is my daughter, Stephanie. Hi, Stephanie. Hi. We're going to have a good time in here. I have all kinds of toys. Do you have Nintendo Game Boy with Super Mario Brothers? <laughs> no, but I'll put it on my shopping list. Would you like to draw a picture for me? Sure. How about a nice bird? Well, I like birds, but what I'd really like to see is a picture of your family. You're in luck. Families and birds are my two best things. You have a very verbal daughter. Oh, she loves to talk. And she can just babble on about anything. It'd be school or the weather. She just talks and talks and talks. I can't believe she does it. I have no idea where she gets it. Please, sit down. Thanks. Uh, you probably haven't noticed, but uh, I'm a little nervous. I noticed. It's just that this is the first time Stephanie hasn't been able to tell me what's bothering her. She may not be aware herself. We don't always know why we do the things we do. For instance, do you know why you're dusting my table? Uh, I love to dust. <laughs> Something wrong with that? What do you think? <laughs> well, uh, when I was growing up, all the other kids wanted to be astronauts or firemen. I wanted to be a maid. So, the doctor's name is Marion Steiner, and she's like, Hi, Stephanie. Hi. Danny introduces, you know, himself and Stephanie. She goes, We're going to have a good time in here. I have all kinds of toys. All kinds of toys. And Stephanie's like, Do you have a Nintendo Game Boy with Super Mario Brothers? And she's like, Hmm, well, no, but I'll put that on my shopping list. So, and I, I, I know how this goes in this episode, and I get what... The psychiatrist likes to do is either the kid's going to draw a picture of the family or they're going to have a playhouse set up with like a dollhouse set up with, with dolls and stuff and that psychiatrist is going to sit and watch that child play in hopes that they're going to be able to key into how the child is playing. They're representing whatever's going on in that child's life, like a situation or something, and how the child interacts with the dolls. Like, they're reenacting like a scene of something that happened in their life or something that's bothering them. Um, did that with, uh, with me, and the thing is, even at a young age, I could clue into that is exactly what this person is trying to get me to do. So I would just play like normally, like, ah, this doll's gonna lay in bed, and this one's gonna be down here and stuff, and they're probably at one point probably would have known like you're not doing what I want you to do it's like no I'm not because I know why I'm here so she chooses to decide um uh, have Stephanie draw a picture she's like well how about a nice bird and um Marion says well that's great and all but I would really like to see a picture of your family and Stephanie's like, great because families and birds are two of my best things that I can draw. 
So in a way, it's kind of good. She's starting like, let's start with the drawing and kind of take it from there and see what comes out of this. And of course, the first thing while Stephanie's drawing the picture, the first thing she says, this lady says to Danny is, you have a very verbal daughter. And Danny's like, yeah, I don't know where she gets it. I mean, she can talk and talk and talk and talk. And she's like, yeah, I, I, I see where she gets that from. <laughs> but Danny, you know, they sit down and Danny is nervous. Like, this is the first time... I have had to take my daughter to see somebody because I've been trying to ask her what's going on and she's not telling me. And Miriam brings up a really good point is, and we cut back to Stephanie working on the drawing. She says, well, Stephanie may not know herself what is going on. So in a way that this picture is going to bring out and the questions that Marion is going to ask is going to bring out what is going on. And Marion is like, we don't always knew, know why we do the things we do. As Danny pulls out a handkerchief that he just blotted his face with, and now he's calmly rubbing it on the table. Like, this is Danny. Danny is nervous. You can tell. This is how he copes. As long as he's just dusting something. Cleaning is how he works through things. This is this is like his, his happy place, his comfort zone, where he can just deal with something via cleaning. She's like, well, for instance, like, why, do you know why you're dusting my table? And he says, well, for one thing, when I was growing up and kids wanted to be like astronauts or firemen, I wanted to be a maid. Why don't you just say also housekeeper? But, so this has clearly gone on for a long, long time. And I think Danny incorporates cleaning into ways to make himself get through things. Like when something is bugging me, I will go to podcast episodes that I've, of sh shows that I listen to that I've heard a hundred times before, but just the voices and, and, and the episode itself is very calming and effective. It's like, that is my comfort zone. That is what helps me get through things. And even me just doing podcasts in general. Like I said, when my dad was going through what he was, you know, with his cancer a year ago, I was focusing on podcasts and stuff because that, I mean, if you want to call it an escape, it was an escape for me. It was a way that I could focus on something else. And maybe that was, you know, me hiding from what was going on. I don't know. But as I've said, this helps. This helps me. Listening to podcasts, po uh, recording podcasts, this all helps me. Alright, and luckily, because she started to diagnose Danny, Stephanie's like, I'm done with my picture. And of course, Danny's like, oh, thank you. None too soon, thank you. So, Mary, Dr. Marion takes the picture over and kind of puts it up on an easel so we can get a shot of the picture and we can kind of evaluate it. So she's like, well, who are all these people? And he's like, and Stephanie points to Joey first, says, that's Joey. He does a great Popeye. He's got a can of spinach. I notice on the outside of the house, let me go back for a second. On the outside of the house, we have Danny. We have a son that's got a frowny face. We have the inside of the house that's got a zigzag crack in it from the earthquake, which we'll get to in a minute. We got a puppy named Comet. We got curly-lipped Elvis Jesse. We have DJ and her zit and the little sister Michelle. So I'm going to play this clip here. 
Ebony, what's this uh, squiggly line up here? That's a crack in the wall. Well, how did that get there? From the earthquake. And here's my sister, Michelle, and my dog, Connie. <laughs> and here's me. I think I look taller in person. <laughs> well, now, who's this man standing outside the house? That's my daddy. Why isn't he inside with the rest of you? Because he was late. Was he late the day of the earthquake? Uh-huh. I didn't know where he was for three whole hours. Oh, how did that make you feel? Terrible. I didn't know where you were or what happened. You should have been with me. I was so scared I'd never see you again. Steph, I'm right here. So you were scared after the earthquake because you didn't know where your daddy was. Uh-huh. So do you think the reason you want to be with your daddy all the time is so that you'll always know where he is? Yeah. What if there's another earthquake? Have you been thinking about that a lot? I try not to, but people are always talking about it. And it's on TV. And there are all those garbage trucks that feel like little earthquakes. When it comes to earthquakes, the best thing we can do is to be prepared for them. That's right. And we are prepared, Steph. We have all of our water and our food and our batteries and everything else we talked about. Remember? Uh-huh. But I still worry about you. I've got a good idea. Why don't we make a list of things that you can do so you won't worry when your dad's away? Okay, like what? Well, your dad can call you whenever he knows he's going to be late. That's good. Then you'll always know where I am. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> what else you got? Well, if you're still a little scared, you can spend a couple more nights in your dad's room, but in a sleeping bag on the floor. Okay. And only if you need to. We'll see what happens. Now, what can we do about those garbage trucks? Nothing. What a racket! <laughs> I'll call our councilman in the morning. Okay, I'll put this on. So, after she gets done with the introductions to the family, Dr. Marion notices the zigzag line. Like, what is this little squiggle up here? Stephanie's like, that's a crack in the wall from the earthquake. And she's like, well, who's this man out here outside the house? And, and she's like, well, that's my daddy. And she's like, well, why isn't it he here in the house with the rest of you? And Stephanie's like, because he was late that day. The day of the earthquake. And when Stephanie says, well, he was late, Marion turns and looks at Danny. Like, okay, okay. So she's probably sensing like these two things are definitely connected. And she asks, was he late the day of the earthquake? And she's like, uh-huh. We didn't know where he was for three whole hours. And my guess is he's stuck in traffic for three hours. And this isn't your average run-of-the-mill everyday rush hour. This is... You're on the road and the earthquake happens. And everyone is like, you can't go anywhere. And she's like, well, how did you, that make you feel, Stephanie, knowing your dad was not there for three hours? You didn't know where he was. She's like, I felt terrible. And she turns to Danny and says, she turns to Danny and says, I don't know where you were or what happened. You should have been with me. And she says, I was so scared I'd never see you again. And she climbs onto his lap. And he holds her and he's like, honey, Steph, I am right here. So, Dr. Marion is kind of narrating Stephanie's feelings for us. She says, so you were scared after the earthquake because you didn't know where your daddy was. Stephanie's like, yep. 
And Marion says, you think the reason you want to be with your daddy all the time is because that way you know where he's at. And Stephanie's fear is, what if there's another earthquake? So, of course, Marion asks, have you been thinking about that a lot? And she's like, well, it's kind of hard not to when everyone's talking about it and it's on TV and everything. And I'm thinking, as far as the Tanner family goes, Stephanie, everyone's moved on. No one else is really talking about the earthquake except for in relation to how Stephanie is acting. But it just seems like also no one really is addressing the reason that she's feeling this way is because of Danny and the Earth. They're not really putting two and two together. And even DJ and Kimmy are no help with like, oh, relax, Stephanie. It's just a garbage truck. You're being a baby, Stephanie. It was just an earthquake. We're fine. Which those girls are at least five to six years older than DJ or than Stephanie. They've been through earthquakes before. And Marion does say to Danny, and well, especially to Stephanie, when it comes to earthquakes, the best thing we could do is be prepared. And Danny turns to Stephanie, he's like, Steph, we are prepared. We have our batteries, food, we have our water, we have a shelter that we can go to. Well, or, you know, the basement. It's like, we're gonna be okay. As much as Danny likes doing, like, cleaning and stuff, and he's about routine, he's, they probably had a run-through of what to do in case of a disaster. Or, like, if the house is on fire. Or, like I said, or an earthquake. Or, you know, they don't get tornadoes out there. But, um, yeah, the, he seems like one who would have a plan, an action plan. And he would have had the family go through this action plan so that way everything they know what to do they know where to go they know the steps to take in order to everything they need to do she's like i know that but i still worry about you so marion goes over to a cupboard gets a legal pad brings over a pen and says all right i know what we're gonna do i got a great idea we are gonna make a list of things we can do so that way in the future if this happens again you're gonna be ready if danny's gonna be late he can call. He probably did not even know that he was going to be like, he was probably just headed home and then the earthquake happened. So he didn't know he was going to be three hours late. But, you know, if Danny finds out like, oh, I have a meeting to go to tonight, I will, and I just found out about now, I can call home and just say, hey, this came up. I want to let you know. Um, with me, I always, on my break, I always text Jeremy, say, hey, let me know when you get home so I know that you're there, that, you know, everything's, house is still standing and everything like that. That is for my own peace of mind. And I've been doing that for years. So, yeah, he's like, yeah, I can always call whenever I know I'm going to be late. She's like, yeah, I like that. What else you got? So, I like Marion's suggestion of, well, if you're so little scared, you can spend more nights in your dad's bedroom, but, and she emphasizes in a sleeping bag on the floor no more getting into bed with daddy just more appropriate just be on the floor you're still in the same room with him he emphasizes only if you need to and she says we'll see what happens now what can we do about those garbage trucks what a racket and i'm like nothing there's nothing you can do even danny says i'll call my councilman in the morning they will hang up on you they are like too bad. I. This is the only time we have to do this. Sorry. These routes, they gotta stick to them, so. You're just gonna have to. You know it's a. You know it's a garbage truck. You know it's a garbage truck. After this, just. I mean, you could be able to tell the difference between a garbage truck and an earthquake. 
A garbage truck is not going to shake your house. I hear the garbage, on, you know, when they come in the morning and I'm hearing that, but it's not shaking the house and I'm not waking up from it. I'm waking up from it because it's really loud, but it's not shaking the house. All right, it's later that night in the house and everybody is tucking Stephanie in the small little TV-sized mattress, very small. And they're all, like, really tucking her in to the point where... I like the security of being tucked in and stuff like that. Like, <laughs> well, with it being so hot, you can't have that many blankets on. So we just have, like, the sheet, and then that's pretty much about it right now. But in the winter, I'll, like, put a bunch of blankets on, you know, uh, a comforter and, like, some other stuff, because it gets cold. But <laughs> I am one... I gotta have that sheet tucked in at the bottom of the bed. Jeremy is always like, one no tuck, please. And I'm like, no, it has to be tucked in. It just, I, that security, I just, I need to have that. I think it almost, it almost goes back to when, you know, babies are like being swaddled, that security and everything that they feel. So I'm going to play this clip as everyone's tucking in Stephanie. They're all paying special attention to her. They're just saying, hey, Steph. If you want to camp out in my room, you can. And she's like, ah, do you still snore, Dad? And he's like, yes. And, of course, Jesse's right across the hall. And Steph, uh, DJ's right in her bed across the room. Joey's in the basement, but he can be up there like that. So, yeah, she'll be alright. She'll be alright. So they all leave after they kiss her goodnight. And DJ goes to hop in her bed, but Stephanie's like, DJ, can you kind of untuck me? I'm losing circulation in my arms and legs right now. All right, Steph, if you want to camp out in my room, the sleeping bag is still in there. You still snore, Daddy? Yes. I'll stay here. <laughs> Sorry. Listen, if you need anything, I'll be right across the hall, okay? Okay. And I'm downstairs, but if you need me, I can be up here... Like that. And if you guys need me, I'll be right here. That's my girl. You're doing great. Good night. Good night, Dad. Good night, guys. Good night. Night, Steph. Night, Steph. Night. DJ, could you do me a favor? Sure, what is it? Can you untuck me a little? I can't move. <laughs> So Danny kisses Stephanie on the forehead saying, you're doing great, which she's sleeping in her own bed, so this is already an improvement. And that is pretty, that's the episode, guys. It was, it was really, really good. I really liked, I know it's like, oh, they solved it in 30 minutes. They solved it within like 10 minutes of being her, seeing the psychiatrist. It's like, guys, it's a 30 minute, or um, like a 24 minute sitcom. So, but I like, they did address the issue, they, you know, I thought this was done really well. I really got to hand it to Jodie Sweden. I think she did a very good job with what she was given. So I want to play this quick clip from the Party of Five Season 1, Episode 16, and also entitled Aftershocks, where um, Claudia, Charlie, Bailey, and his girlfriend Jill are all hanging out in the kitchen, and all of a sudden there's an earthquake. Okay. <laughs> I'm not so bad. 
Everybody okay? Yeah. Bill! Owen! Yeah. Right here. Owen's having a big time. Good. What do you think? 4.6? Probably 4.0. I need safe to come out of the door right now. What if there's an aftershock? Aftershock? It's okay. Right, everything is still shaking. Can't you see it shaking? It's you. Do you guys remember that one in 89 when we, we all thought we were okay? And then that aftershock hit and our chimney crashed right through our ceiling in our living room and it smashed our stereo. I got the CD out though and, and it just it just wouldn't play anymore. It just kept making this blipping noise. The CD? So, yeah, and Jill mentions the earthquake in 1989, which this is the Full House episode was two months after that earthquake in 89 it happened. But this actually, you know, showed you the earthquake hitting a little bit. And then, of course, out of the intro, they're back into the kitchen and they're talking about the earthquake that just hit. They're talking about, like, um the Richter scale, like they're saying, oh, it's like a four point this, and they're like, no, it's more like a this, and then Joe mentions the one in 89, so I just wanted to play that clip so you can guys can hear, like, yeah, that's another show that lived, you know, the characters lived in San Francisco and they dealt with an earthquake, so. Okay, so join me next Friday when I cover season six, episode one, entitled, Come Fly With Me. As part of the Full House summertime series or summer fun series i hope everyone has a great weekend bye bye